0: And a properly worldly lens on the week's lectionary passages, all in 25 minutes or less. My guest is Michelle Matthews. Michelle is an inner city high school English teacher turned pastor, which means for her, church looks, sounds, and smells a little different. She's been involved in four church plants, and she's a great conversationalist. I give you Michelle Matthews. Michelle, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey there! Good to be with you.
0: Good to be with you. I got to know you through Jason Michelli, which <laughs> this is what he lives for. He yes. lives to be referenced places, and so he gets yet another reference, which <laughs> will make him very happy. So <laughs> you're planning a church and planted a podcast.
1: I did. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really know if you can call uh, us a, like don't don't you have to have more than one episode to actually be a podcast? <laughs> so no, we. <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> You're totally legitimate.
1: Oh, thanks, thanks. Yeah, um, I'm new to this world. Uh, you're the expert, so I mean, I'm. Thanks for inviting me on. Uh, it's exciting. Yeah, and yeah, I, pl- I am planted a church about two years ago, so I'm in this world of newness. Yeah,
0: awesome. And so, actually, in our first reading, we're <laughs> in a new cycle in the lectionary. We're going to Judges, which is. You know, you get we were brief readings from Joshua, and now we're in Judges, and Israel's kind of a season of newness, one could say, right? And I mean, Judges is so interesting, right? Because like it's um, it's just one of these uh, books of the Bible. I think most people are not exceedingly familiar with right and if they are they probably think oh that's the god we're not into i remember that one simpsons episode where bart (laughs) is messing with uh, ned flanders kids right and he's piping god's voice and they're like do you want a happy god Uh, or an angry god and the kid's like
1: happy god yes my husband is currently watching simpsons every night right now he's making his way through the series and so i know exactly what episode you're talking about yeah
0: but but don't you think most People in churches, like, in, in many churches anyway, like, look at, like, oh, judges, isn't that the angry God? We want the happy God.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think, unfortunately, it's the name of the book, too. <laughs> I mean, uh, Judges, um, We the the idea of uh, we as Christians, we um, many times confuse judge um, with judgmental. And so, yeah, it, it I mean, it sets us up to completely skim over it and never read it. That's Why
0: right. is this book so judgy? Yes.
1: Yeah. Um, well like I I liked that you uh are saying, you know, we're in this we're in this new place um for Israel. Uh and th- this newness uh but this newness that is pointed towards a particular end and, and that everything new is being driven towards a particular end for Israel. And, and so I, I keep, uh, quite frankly, across all three texts this week, I, I, I keep seeing this kind of teleological, like God's preferred future, God's preferred end. Hey, Deborah is saying, this is Israel's preferred future. Will you be, become a part of it? Um and same thing in first Thessalonians, this is this is the preferred future of the church. Will you be a part of it? Um and and so yeah, there's this newness um that is rooted in something old, but um but but that is that is pointed towards God's preferred future. Um
0: does
1: that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah.
0: totally. It's interesting too that like because you think about like people that Uh, I'm not a great planner. My wife's a pretty good planner. I know some good planners, but like good planners, like if you're going to have a party or something, there's that teleological Teleological. thing, which just means end, right? us means end. Mm -hmm. Like you think, okay, we're going to throw this party for Michelle to celebrate her church plant becoming a mega church and her podcast being part of (laughs) Oprah's radio network. Well, what's the first thing we're going to do? Well, okay, let's look at who we want. We want 500 people there. We want champagne you know right. coolies and you know uh all sorts of great desserts and 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 all sorts of brazilian meats and these things and so you'd get a picture of what of of that event and you'd work back from well step one is we make a list of invitees and things like that. So like you begin with the end in mind, I think maybe if we read the Bible that like, where's the whole thing going? Yes. And then it would, what's interesting here though, right? Is that normally in judges, it says that a judge is raised up and a judge. I mean, although Deborah actually does do some juridical things, but a judge is more like a deliverer, a hero, a heroine. Mm -hmm. but it doesn't say that here.
1: No. Yeah. We can't, we can't neglect the fact that, um, that, that Deborah is judge also prophetess, um, which in, takes us right into God's preferred future, right? Like the, the, it, it takes us into the, so, so this is one period in Israel's history and she's overlapping the, these two, which totally reminds me of where we are kind of in, in the church. Um, this this you know five hundred year mark this Luther mark in time where we are both what the church was and what the church will be and we don't even know what it's going to be like yet. Um, th- like this is where Israel sits and the fact that Deborah this judge is also called prophetess is is, is important that um, she is also pointing towards um, the, the 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 future God's future for Israel but also quite forthcoming and in. in in the language of prophet, not just for the future, but, but right now, what, what is meant for you right now?
0: Yeah. And it's interesting too, like also that like, maybe there's, so one way to look at this is like, maybe is God not, I mean, periodically. So there's this pattern over and over again, right? Things are always new. And yet it's kind of like the Christian faith is always, you know, once for all and yet again and again. And so it's almost like the Exodus story is repeated and repeated and this deliverance. story. Mm-hmm. What's interesting, sometimes maybe First off, there's not one deliver. There's three. There's Deborah. There's Barack, who really needs Deborah's sort of inspiration, encouragement, exhortations to to really uh, mm-hmm. get a sense of who he is and what his call is. And then you have JL, who's not mentioned this passage, but she's probably a Gentile, and yeah. she actually kills their you know the the big military leader who who has been oppressing them. You know who they've not been able to to have make any headway with. And so it's it's interesting that like you have this almost like what well, gods deliver and then and in the Im- god's image there's a sort of not one but three <laughs> delivers uh all yeah. so it's a very interesting kind of kind of uh picture of like it's almost like one of these scenes in a serial drama like sometimes you just have these ordinary things about the characters on the ground that like and there, that's what draws you in in many ways. And yet sometimes you get a glimpse in some relationship that actually opens up the big mystery or, you know, the arc of the whole thing, you know, and who are the others and lost or something like that. And this is one of those things that's almost like maybe it gives us a picture of who God is through how God works.
1: after
0: death. So on to the Thessalonians, which is, this is like maybe Paul's earliest letter, some people would say. Mm-hmm. And when people say like, you know, we want to get back to being a New Testament church, I would say, watch what you pray for. You might become the Corinthians. Uh, uh, the th- <laughs> and the Thessalonians d- 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 don't seem to have it all together, but at least they seem better than the Corinthians.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I um. Paul's. So I, I it is not... These these texts are in, interweaved together in the lectionary this week. Um still like I'm like driving this thing home, um still about um asking us as as God's people um where it where is God leading us and and like where it what what is the end in sight? And so we get to to this community in Thessalonica and these people um, are living under the assumption that the end is, is, is upon them. The end is near. And this is like that, you know, apocalyptic end. Uh, and so with that, and then in the midst of the empire at this time, the, the oppression of the empire upon them um, we have all of this mix of, um, of, of, apocalyptic imagery um, that can really lead us astray in how we view what the end will look like, what God's preferred future um, will look like. And so, like, it's in Thessalonians, right, where the entire um, understanding of the rapture came from and the idea that we're going to be rescued from creation. uh, And
0: I'll never forgive those people for what they did to Nicolas Cage.
1: Uh, seriously, right?
0: Like I love it, Nicolas Cage. I hate that movie. You can't put a so, movie. you can't make a movie right. with that much time in an airplane unless it's Air Force One or the comedy airplane. <laughs> like, yeah. like too long, too long. Uh even that cargo, even that con movie, Con Air with Nicolas Cage, they're not in the airplane that long. <laughs>
1: uh yeah it's it's so i mean we 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 do this we do these texts so much injustice uh and and when when it's really like Paul's message here is is one of God existing with you, moving with you um constantly with you will do you not see what god is doing right now not this kind of escapism thing where we are trying to get out of this world um that is somewhat bad and um and and that we will you know one day be raptured from it and so all of this language um of are you like are you going to stay awake um are you going to be sober um do not fall asleep do not um uh it it's it's not do not fall asleep so that you won't miss that that one day where everybody will be taken up with God but it's do you not perceive it do you not see what God is doing don't fall asleep in the midst of all that God has for you right now um, yeah it's and and still like leading us towards the constant question through these passages constant question is um, what is what is God's end for you? Where is God leading you? What is the goal? Uh, what is the goal for you in, in this in this Christian life?
0: And isn't the pastoral point here really to drive home? Morning people are good people because all bad things happen at night. Paul says you get drunk mm. at night, you do this at night. <laughs> Everybody's like, if you're a, a morning person.
1: That's a- that's exactly what Th- that's it means.
0: That's <laughs> how I... Pre- no, but, it, yeah, but Audubor, it's funny, though, serious Like, I, I think two things. Like, A, there seems to be this two tensions, right, like in the New Testament. There seems to be these, these passages that talk about the end times, like it'll be cataclysmic and the sky is going to be black and this is going to be awful, like the Olivet Discourse. And then there are these texts, like, you know, it'll be like the days of Noah. Nobody had a sense that the sky wasn't overcast and all of a sudden, oh my gosh, it's a torrential downpour. And by the way, what did can you imagine the hurricane season before he had any sense of the weather channel? I mean, just all of a sudden, boom. But, you know, and, and then other, you know, these sort of like, or it'll be like a thief in the night. It's a quick surprise. Um, and the, the, you know, I mean, there's that sort of uh, the, the surprise, uh, the, the sort of relative kind of calm hmm. and cataclysm, right? Like, I mean, these sort of, I mean, that seems to be attention and also the kind of how you meet it. Uh, seems to be another kind of, and you think about like, if you are falling asleep in your house, you're drinking a glass of wine or something and you're reading a book or watching Netflix and someone you're, you're woken by someone who you don't know, or, or maybe you know them a little bit, but they, they shouldn't be in your home and you're terrified versus if you're woken by your kid or your dog licking your face or your spouse, you, you'd still be startled at first, but there'd be a comfort at the surprise,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and maybe there's some sense that, like that, that whatever will happen, hover will meet things, and also like all of us live live like there's always cataclysm in the world and calm at the same time, right? So like. <laughs> you know, like all of these things um sort of seem to come together for me in some sort of weird impressionistic yeah.
1: picture. Yeah, but like I this the language of uh asleep and awake, it's just so basic every day. Like this is what we do every day. We sleep and we awake. It is it's so um it's so representative of our daily like life participation. And so I think about um, I think about like God kind of indicting us for failing to have faith that that we have a part in this. That we are participating in 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 God. And the reason why I say this is because like I, I'm in ministry with people every single day who who have it all together in life, like seriously have it all together, have the best job, are incredibly well respected um, in their work. They they don't fall asleep. In fact, they're incredibly alert. They're well like they they make good money. And and then it is so bizarre to me how in the life of faith. They are are so unable to believe that God has a place for them in it, and like I mean, j- like just in you know, you have a you have a, a meeting and you invite somebody to to pray, and it's like their eyes like <laughs> divert because you just like they they can't imagine that God is calling them to be a part of this. It's amazing how people who are so, so well versed in all their other areas of life, um, still have this assumption that they're not a part of this, that, that it's like God is putting on a play before them. And, you know, of course, things like Thessalonians and Revelation and, and these kind of apocalyptic texts, it does seem like God is putting on a play, um, all this language of darkness and light and sleep and awake and, and sober and drunk and, and like, where do I where do I fall into that? Um, and so to be reminded that these are all also metaphors that we just experience every single day, light and dark, sleep awake, sober, um, alert. Yeah.
0: Speaking of different dualities. Or actually, this is uh, a triality. I don't know if that's a word. But here we have the last reading after our reading from Judges 4 and First Th- Thessalonians 5, we come to Matthew 25. This is like... Isn't this the second to last parable in Matthew? We get
1: followed by the sheep and the goats. Yeah, it's at the the very end. Yeah, it's um, that's yeah, it is. It's like uh, the
0: yeah, followed by yeah.
1: Well, Matthew twenty-five is is this text of like three different sermons um, because there's the yeah, there's like the the ten bridesmaids and then and then yeah, then the talents and then the sheep and the goats. The
0: Ten Bridesmaids is one of those, like, parables made for Bravo. And everybody (laughs) fell asleep, and Andy Cohen came in and said,
1: Who's got the lamps? (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) This is less so. This is more for, like... um, CSNBC or Fox Business. This is your kind of different cable different cable parable.
1: Yeah, but I still think all three of them, all three parables and Matthew twenty-five are leading us towards like this is like watch out. These like these are the ways. These are the ways that you will miss what God's up to. These are the ways that you'll miss God's preferred in. You'll miss. You'll miss God's tell us if you um, if you do these things, and then you have the oil and and you know five bring it and five um, five have enough and five don't. And but
0: you know what's interesting about the about the virgin one or the bridesmaids one rather, uh, which I would guess in that day and uh, you know like you could assume bridesmaid and virgin were the same thing. Different in our culture. It's just different. Yeah. Uh, but, like, but it's yeah. interesting because it's a daytime wedding. So you think like the wise ones, it seems like the wise ones, the ones that turn out to be wise seem like neurotic over preparers, like fools. And they probably like, oh, why are you ever going this way? I don't know. Cause we're, we're anxious and we're over repairs. And the ones that didn't have enough, they're like, hey, it's a daytime wedding. Like you're wearing white after Labor Day. Like, <laughs> I mean, it seems so. It's even Jesus is like the people who turn trying to be wise probably look like idiots. Uh, and, uh-huh. and uh, uh-huh. here it's it seems like it almost turns on what you because it'd be really easy to think, like, well, it's really about your fruit and how much fruit you produce, but really it seems like the thing that distinguishes them right is their view of the character of God.
1: Ah, mm. oh, interesting because, like,
0: the, the servant who gets reprimanded isn't reprimanded because he, like, didn't make enough money. He's like, look, cause the, the master's like, you could just put it in like a, a 1% dumb savings account. It would have showed me that you mm-hmm. really believed you had something of value here. Oh, but you would, but he sort of presumes that the master it, it's almost, it goes back almost to what Satan tries to do in the garden with Eve. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, did he say that? Really? Really? He just doesn't want you to be in on the goods. He said, and then he was like, yeah, he said, don't even touch it. Which, you know, yeah. what I mean? all of a sudden it's, it's like, this is like the thing I think that like uh, we often do when we, when we are our backs against the wall, we feel shame, anxiety, guilt. We often like, rather than come look to God's mercy, we go, like, well, God never liked me anyway.
1: <laughs> hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, that just, ass- the, the the assumption, yeah, the assumption that we aren't we aren't good enough that there's, there, that there's no, um, there's no possible way that God could want me to be a part of this, to be a part of what God's doing. Yeah. That's um I think that's the shame and the guilt of that is so, is so, is so relevant. Um The, the thing about the, the, yeah. So the three, the three, s- these three sermons kind of together uh, take us on this, this, this journey through like what, uh, what, what, what do we do when, um, when, when we choose, when we don't choose to follow, um, the direction God has for our lives. And, and of course that, that is, that's many things, right? Like we're all working towards our, our, that, whatever that goal is like right now, for me, the goal is to get through ordination papers, right? The goal for me right now is to hopefully plan a church that, um, will, be viable in three years, right? Like that's, that's the goal. We all have our goals. Some of us is retirement. Some of it is, is, you know, to make a particular amount of money, but in the, the moving towards our, our telos, um, whatever, whatever the goal is like these three things, the, 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 the bridesmaids is, is seems to be saying like if you don't prepare for the distance, if you don't if you don't have enough to prepare for the distance, um, you're gonna give up, give up on the way. And then you and then you have and then it's back to back to back. Then you have the t- um, the talents. If you if you don't believe um, that there that you have something to offer and you bury it, um, if you bury yourself. I mean, I, for me, when I think of the talents, I, I I think about burying yourself under your own shame, your own um, your own your own feelings of, of not being worthy enough. Uh, and then you get the sheep and the goats. Are you failing to believe in God's, in God's way on the earth? Like this is, this is the way God brings forth God's kingdom. Do you believe it? Is it
0: burying yourself under shame, really burying Jesus? So totally. It's, it, so it says oh, like yeah. basically what you say about me, that the inheritance is already in the bank. I can't earn it. I can't do it. No, no, I gotta, I gotta get my own pound of flesh out of myself. And if I, if I feel enough shame and enough guilt and work, you know, then I'll be acceptable. Or, or if I do enough to seemingly undo the guilt and the shame, if I succeed enough, I mean, that seems to me that actually to be the one talent activity. <laughs> because one of the things that's so interesting is Jesus takes the one talent and gives it to the guy with ten. Why wouldn't you just give it to the guy with four for like a more a better, you <laughs> right. know, better income distribution kind of thing? But it, it almost seems to be. To point out the that God's not really a bookkeeper. It's all absurd. Like no. There's, there there's, no, it's always no. absurd. Yeah,
1: that wasn't the point. Yeah. That was not the point. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Can I
0: read you something from Robert Capon?
1: Ah, I was told by um by Jason that you would totally pull yeah. Him I'm, out.
0: I've been reading Capon for these lectionary passages, and it's interesting. He's talking about this theme in this parable. It, 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 he thinks it's kind of one of three themes, the, the last. But then he also connects it with several other parables. He says, "I wanted to underline the sheer needlessness of fear, the utter non-necessity hmm. of our." ever having to dread God. The servant with his little shovel and his mousy apprehensions that God is as small as himself is just a nerd. He's just one more of the pitiful turkeys that Jesus parades through his parables to shock us, if possible, into recognizing the stupidity of unfaith. The elder brother, the man without the wedding garment, the laborers who worked all day, the Pharisee who tried to wheedle God into thinking he was a good egg. All of these are cardboard figures, cartoon characters designed to elicit only a smile at the preposterousness of their behavior. It is also true, of course, that they are the figures we most easily identify with. But then that is because we are just as preposterous. We spend our lives invoking upon ourselves imagined necessities, creating God in the the image of our own fears. And all the while, he's beating us over the head with a balloon of grace and the styrofoam baseball bat of vindicating judgment the history of salvation is slapstick all the way right up to and including the end it's the three stooges working only for laughs god isn't trying to hurt anyone he's not even mad at anyone there are no lengths to which he won't go to prove that there are no restrictions on the joy he wants to share with us if you are never afraid of curly larry and mo you don't need to be afraid of the trinity either (laughs) that's what's great your natural laugh when you hear that image like, yeah, I think of like, as you laughed, I just thought of like, um, Sarah laughing when she's, when she, when God would say, oh, you yeah. like, I didn't laugh. Yeah, you did. Now your kid's going to be in laughter.
1: <laughs> I got, <you. laughs> uh, yeah, Wow.
0: Michelle blessing in your preaching this week. And thanks for spending a few minutes helping me and other preachers talk about these texts.
1: Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. It was really great to be with you. Uh, thanks for inviting me on.
0: I'll have you back again.
1: Okay. I would love that.
0: Thanks for listening to the Synaxis Podcast. If you like what you heard, please go to iTunes, give it a rating, write a review, and subscribe. Or pass it along to a friend via email or say something about it on social media. All of those things help so much as we're just getting off the ground. Thanks to Michelle for being on the podcast. And thanks again to you for listening. Till next time, friends. Fair